One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to the Progressive Britain podcast. This is the podcast with the unpopular belief that progressive centre-left politics has a lot to offer the modern world. I'm Sam Bright, digital editor of Progress. Connor Pope and Richard Angel are away on holiday, so I've been tasked with getting to grips with the government's latest Brexit meltdown, which has seen David Davis and Boris Johnson finally follow through on their threats and resign from the cabinet. I will be discussing this political uproar with Alison McGovern, Chair of Progress, and Stephanie Lloyd, Progress Deputy Director. So it's been a pretty bizarre couple of days, to say the least. Um, what, what are your reactions, both your reactions to the uh, resignations of Boris Johnson and David Davis? Not before time. I think it's been pretty ridiculous that we've had a foreign secretary that basically used a four-letter word in relation to British business, which just was astounding, and he kept his job. Um, he kept his job uh, while he made you know statements that were deeply, deeply unhelpful to the to a poor British citizen who's in a serious situation in Iran. He's kept his job whilst he has blustered and blundered his way through relations uh, with our neighbours and people around the world. And I think it's just amazing that he lasted this long. David Davis, equally, you know, he's turned up to meetings with the European Commission pretty much empty-handed. And, I mean, some of his spectacularly awful presentations in front of the Select Committee, I think, should have gotten the sack long ago. I think those two were really only in their jobs because they were seen as people who were leading Brexiteers. But then if you remember Boris Johnson, it was never clear what he really thought about Brexit. You have to conclude that he basically backed the Brexit campaign because he needed to be on the right side of that argument for the Tory party leadership to come to him rather than him actually believing it. So it, all the, even while I think that the likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg, Bill Cash... And all of these hard right Brexiteer lot, I really, really profoundly disagree with them. But they at least are doing something that you sort of think they believe in. Whereas Boris Johnson, I don't think he necessarily believed in Brexit at all. I think he was just doing it because he thought one day he'd become Tory leader, which is about the worst indictment I can think of of anybody. So, <laughs> so it's like David Davis is a bit like useless. 
uh, and arrogant. And Boris Johnson is like a malign and arrogant. So how they were in their jobs for so long, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. I also I think it's actually the thing that annoys me about the fact that Boris was the fact that Boris got to resign. Like that man should have been sacked. He never ever deserved to hold that office. He was absolutely awful. Why do you think Theresa May didn't just sack him? Why didn't she just I mean, do you think she wanted to get to the point where she could say, This is my plan, the checkers plan, and you can like it or go? And it basically the fact that they had to resign means that anyone who's still in the cabinet is by definition therefore signed up to the plan. Is that why she did it? I think it's probably a bit of why she did it. I mean, her ability to be the last woman standing is the most impressive thing I think that she can actually do. I don't think she can do anything else currently. Yeah, but But she she is really good at keeping herself in post. Yeah, exactly. What I loved was you see the shade that David Davis threw at Boris Johnson. No. So he literally, so someone asked him, "What, what do you think about Boris resigning? And he was like, well, I mean, it's integral to my job and I didn't agree with it so I had to resign but don't really see how it was integral to Boris's so he literally was just throwing pure shade at Boris being like you're only doing this because you want to be leader of the Conservative Amazing. Party. So but surely that chaos. Surely that cannot happen now surely like Boris is off as far as Tory party leader goes. Please 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 that would yeah that would be the dream. I he's mean, off the table now forever. Surely surely even the Conservative party must see that he's inherently sort of flawed. Yeah, they must do. They absolutely must do. But I mean, who? Uh, there are so many options now of what's going to do. Although I did see a, a very scary tweet from YouGov that basically said they'd sampled 28 or something different leadership scenarios of elections of what it could look like. And in all of them, Jacob Rees-Mogg won. Amazing. That perhaps shows that Boris Johnson is off the table because he was once upon a time at the top of those rankings and to be below Jacob Rees-Mogg is quite damning. But Jacob, Jacob Rees-Mogg beat everyone. So, That's so, the scary thing. Mm. So there, there is a funny thing with those like who might be leader type polls, which is that basically um, they tend to show who people have heard of the mm. most. Yeah. And, you know, in a leadership contest, uh, that it doesn't necessarily bear out in that way because once once anybody's a candidate, then they've been heard of as much as anyone else. And I suppose with the Tories, they've got their way of whittling it down to two before it goes to the membership anyway exactly. with the MPs. Exactly. So. But personally, I mean, this is just my this is just my gut instincts. I have no insider knowledge on the Tory party. Thank goodness. Um, I personally think that if it comes to a vote of no confidence um, in Theresa May, which it may do if they've got the numbers. So in, in the Tory party, they have to go through this process where all Tory MPs can send a letter to the chair of their uh, backbench committee saying that they don't have confidence and they think there should be a confidence vote in the leader. And even if they got the the right number to trigger a vote, I think Theresa May could win it in any case. It'd be quite interesting if that did happen, actually, because then surely, Steph, as you say, like, she'd be in a pretty solid position, right? Yeah, yeah, she would. I, I think the one thing that I'll always remember um, from David Davis in his position was him sat at the table with Barnier with no documents in front of him, laughing. That has been sort of his attitude to the whole process. Yeah, I mean, overconfidence, really, that this kind of like arrogance that, well, of course, you know, we'll negotiate really hard, so of course we'll get a good deal. And a kind of refusal to engage with, the real actualities of what we're talking about. Because in the end, you know, they want to paint the European commissioners intransigent and difficult. Fine. But the truth is we're dealing with real economic issues here. It's not just a case of the European Union's political choice that it's a rules-based organisation and the rules have to apply to everybody equally, no matter what. 
It's it's because if you're a business operating within the European Union, the reason why you would want to invest there, locate there, um, employ people there is because you have the certainty of knowing you've got that market of a half a billion people and all the rules apply equally. So if you allow the the UK to come in and start unpicking and start picking between the rules, then you've undermined the economic case for your um, trade zone. You know, the whole thing works on being a rules-based organization. And what we're seeing, you know, across the global economy at the moment is with Trump on the one hand and China on the other hand, they are engaging in kind of trade war practices that is actually dampening down global trade. So if I was, you know, in the European Union uh, bureaucracy right now, I would feel even more protective and strong about those principles because the European Union is basically the defense against uh, essentially kind of uh, mercantilist, you know, self-interested countries, the US and China primarily engaging in kind of trade war practices against each other. Yeah. And it looks like Theresa May has been looking for some new friends as well. Uh, Gavin Barwell um, allegedly has been in touch with Labour MPs. Can you tell us any more about that, Alison? Yeah, well, we, it, it's not allegedly. We got a text. Um, so uh, the um, this morning when uh, all of this starts, started kicking off, Labour MPs got a text saying that, the, um, that Gavin Barwell, who used to be a member of parliament from Croydon, but now is the Prime Minister's chief of staff, he um, invited us all to a briefing about the Chequers proposals. And I have to say, like, this is not that unusual. Like, it, it, it was sort of spun, I think, as a bit of a um, as a bit of a shocker. Like, oh, my goodness, the Tories are reaching out to Labour MPs. Actually, when you have big controversial things in Westminster, it would be unusual for um, ministers and others not to kind of provide some sort of briefing to members of parliament. But in the end, you know, most of us can read, we can understand what's in the Chequers deal and, you know, pretty able to see that it is a bad solution to the Brexit problem. It concedes that we need to have uh, frictionless trade because of our manufacturing sector that relies on, you know, just-in-time logistics. So we need to keep those borders open to goods. But it fails to understand that firstly, a lot of manufacturing processes include kind of services, um, professional services and other things, designers, and lawyers and others that need to be governed by a common set of rules as well as goods. Mm. It fails to engage on the freedom of movement issue. Theresa May seems absolutely hell-bent that there is no price that is too high for um, ending freedom of movement. And if that's the position that we're going to be in as a country, that we're prepared to sacrifice absolutely everything um, to end freedom of movement, then basically people across British industry, you know, manufacturing um, and other parts will, I think, still really question what their future holds. It's still, people are still in quite a difficult position. So it's conceded in some areas, but just not gone far enough, basically. And the statement happened. To, uh, I mean, I say I say today. Obviously, so we're recording this on the on the Monday. Yeah. So who it, knows? Who knows how joyfully out of date this will be within half the uh, cabinet the, might have gone. Who, who by knows? the time it's tomorrow yeah. morning. But obviously, Theresa May made her statement today in the Commons, and you were there. So, what was the mood like in in the house? A bit funny. So, Tories shouting at each other. There was a kind of uh, 
you know, some of the some of the Tories like Anna Subri, Nikki Morgan, other people who've been pushing the Prime Minister on um that she ought to kind of look at the customs union and the single market to keep jobs and growth on the road, you know, they were quite warm and welcoming of what the Prime Minister had to say, which caused the strangest of reactions from some of the hard Brexiteers. So Andrea Jenkins was like shouting at Anna Subri. Um, I think on, on our side, I mean, Jeremy Corbyn gave a pretty good response. Um, it was clear that, you know, Keir Starmer's tests wouldn't be met mm. by what has been suggested in the Chequer statement and all of the aspects were there. I think Labour MPs were half kind of disbelieving in the absolute chaos and half just incredibly worried for the future of our country. Um, meanwhile, uh, I was actually sitting next to some of the DUP, um, which is quite st- slightly strange because the Labour benches were packed. You know, they, they've got themselves into this very funny position of basically supporting the Tories come what may. And the Lib Dems... A billion just, pounds will do that for you, though. Oh, I didn't like to say. <laughs> and and the, Lib, the, Lib Dems, the Lib Dems in front of me were... St- started picking a fight with labor as well i don't know don't know where that don't know where that came from i think they're they're so they have fallen so low now that they just uh they have to pick a fight with somebody yeah and it seems that the the theme to this is that you know gavin barwell making overtures to labor mps and um you know labor has a real distinct opportunity now to have its voice heard and to really shape this process what approach should it be taking do you think at this point well i think we've got to put rocks in the road of hard brexit whenever we can and however we can because this is about creating a backstop for our country that means people's jobs aren't at risk that that's what we have to do and labor's position on this has been pretty sensible customs union kid starmer says we need a strong single market deal I would say we should be in the single market, but, you know, we Labour's position is all right. I think that we've got to campaign on that basis. But there's something else which is, you know, I think was also made clear in the statement from Unite out of their policy conference, which is that this is pretty chaotic. There could be a general election. I don't know. After the last time, I swore I'd never say that there wasn't going to be a general election again because I said that last year and then there was. So who knows, there could be a general election, in which case we're into whole new territory. But if there isn't a general election, what we have is a referendum that was essentially overruled by a general election that the Prime Minister called, because the general election produced a House of Commons for which there wasn't a majority for Mm. the Prime Minister's Brexit, if you see what I mean. So we've got a kind of constitutional issue here. And that, I think, leads you to think that if it could unlock that constitutional situation then whatever the deal is that the Prime Minister comes back with could then go to a vote of the public that says, okay, now you know what it is. Now you've got full details, which you didn't have before. Mm. Do you want this or do you want status quo EU membership? If we, if there was a general election, just shuddering in my chair here, mm-hmm. but if there was a general election, what do you think the party should go to the country with in terms of what what our position on the EU should be because what we won't be able to do like last time is have a very kind of sit on the fence kind of play all things to all people we're going to have to have quite a clear position I think on on Brexit and what we think that process should be what, what would you 
If you could write, Alison, what would you write? Well, if I, if I could write Labour's Brexit policy, it would be that membership of the European Union is still the right thing for working people in this country. Mm. Not least because what you, what, the reason I strongly suspect that Theresa May is focused on goods, not services, is because they, want, they accept that there isn't, the British public don't want a radical deregulation when it comes to quality standards. Mm. And, you know, people don't want the chlorinated chicken, right? Yeah. But they still have got half an eye on quite radical deregulation of working practices, um, which is essentially what the single market kind of guarantees. You know, they'd like to ditch the working time directive and they'd like to ditch um, a lot of people's, you know, trade union rights and that sort of thing. And they're trying to find a way to do that. So I maintain that we're best off in the European Union. But if we can't do that, then we should be in the single market and the customs union, whatever language around, you know, uh, being part of the internal market of the European Union, you want to describe it in. So I think we've got to have a position that says we think that the European model of trade and work and um, the rules that govern our economy is the right one. And if the country decides, then our EU membership should still be on the table. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So Dominic Raab has been selected as the replacement for David Davis as Brexit Secretary. He's he's got a bit of a history, doesn't he, Alison? What what can you tell us about him? He does. I mean, firstly, I think the Prime Minister's missed a bit of a trick because if I was her, uh, and obvi- obviously, you know, she, she knows better the internal workings of the Tory party, but I'd have just gone like full on with the like facing down the Brexiteers. I'd have like installed like Nicky Morgan as the <laughs> yeah. Brexit Secretary or something. Or Soups. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Soups would have loved it. She'd have been like, I'll step up to serve. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you know what I mean though? It's like, just go the whole hog here. In the chamber, um, Jess Phillips, who was sat near me, was sort of shouting, they hate you anyway, just do what you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Rob is, uh, Dominic Rob is uh, a bit, I mean, it's fair to say he's not exactly um, a moderate yeah. in the Tory party. He he first came to kind of people's notice when he was part of this group that published a book called Britain Unchained with Preeti Patel and Crazy Karteng and some others 
that was basically about how all of the problems in Britain were overregulation. And I mean, it was literally like classic Tory catnip. It had this famous quote in it about how idle British people are, you know, because we've had a bit of a productivity challenge that actually what people do is go into work and sit on their backsides like as if. So that's how he kind of became a bit of a thing. And then he has been very indelicate about feminism. That's not like conservatives, is it? I know, I know. He is not a good egg on these things. No, so he... He uh, said that, I think he described feminists as bigots, I think I'm right in saying, mm-hmm. I could be right in, in saying that. And he he was like saying that women were being totally unreasonable about feminism. I know. I mean, all of this, get, we just need to get back in the kitchen and stop being so angry. I know. He also said that men should burn their boxer shorts to stop the rampant sexism towards them. Sure. Yeah. And, and in, when it comes to um, Brexit, he's been, I mean, he's been, quite wild in some of his suggestions so um he said that uh even if we had kind of no deal and had to face the eu's external tariff then britain would quote thrive outside the eu now bearing in mind it the eu's external tariff on cars is 10 percent. so i mean my constituents would tell you that like there is not a lot of slack in car production and you know, the amount that we charge the public for a car has not risen in real terms for quite some time. So profit margins are thin as it is. And the idea that they would just be fine with 10% tariffs is not quite the case. It doesn't exactly seem like the solution that Theresa May might have been hoping for then. No, I don't I don't think he is. He's been a massive advocate, as we were saying, of scrapping workers' rights, particularly like working time directive. And I think, to be quite honest, she will have, in the end, similar sorts of problems that she's had with others, with him, which is that Theresa May herself had said that she talked about, you know, the burning injustices and, um, you know, the fact of what's happened to wages. You know, she's sort of acknowledged Mm. the the problems that exist in the labour market. I don't really think that there's a lot of appetite for the classic Tory solutions, which is basically like a bonfire of the regulations. But unfortunately, that's that's who Dominic Raab is. He's a he's a like, if it protects working people, rip it up kind yeah. of person. Yeah. Not that they can really get onto domestic agenda nowadays anyway, but that's another it's another matter. That that's a whole other story. Yeah, it is. Right. So thank you both. Great analysis. Let's hope that well we either may hope or we may not hope that half the cabinet is gone tomorrow. It will um, make this podcast less relevant, but it might be more entertaining. Every week we ask a political pub quiz question, which is answered on Friday's show. This week, the question is, what is new Brexit secretary Dominic Raab's favourite sandwich? Send your answers to at Progress Online on Twitter or office at progressonline.org.uk for the chance to win a Progress mug. Thanks for listening. been listening to the progressive britain podcast the music was when in the west by blue dot sessions licensed under creative commons and many thanks to the brilliant caroline crampton who produced this podcast
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.